0: Hey everyone, you're listening to Bionic Bug Podcast with fiction author and national security expert Natasha Bajima. Join me as I discuss the latest news about emerging technology, read chapters from Bionic Bug, and explore the real-life technologies featured in my novel. We'll discuss where fiction meets reality in the future. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Bionic Bug Podcast. You're listening to episode number 23. This is your host, Natasha Bajima, fiction author, futurist, and national security expert. I'm recording this episode on September 30, 2018. Just a quick intro today before we get to Bionic Bug. I spent the last few days visiting the Lawrence Livermore National Laboratory, the parent laboratory of the hydrogen bomb. I met with a number of scientists and experts there to talk about nanotechnology, synthetic biology, add to manufacturing, and artificial intelligence. Um, These laboratories are are really leading our nation in these emerging technologies, in addition of course to the private sector, and um, it's fascinating to hear what things that they have going on there. I also had the opportunity to visit the National Ignition Facility which contains the world's largest laser, um, is also served as a, a set to a Star Trek movie, um, Into Darkness, I think was the title. Um, and I got to see where they, they filmed that. That was pretty cool. So uh, the world's largest laser, what does it do? It focuses its energy on a spherical target consisting of hydrogen. Um, this target is smaller than a pea. And the lasers um, come together to compress the fuel Um, and induce fusion. The target is heated to more than 100 million degrees Celsius. That's hotter than the center of the sun. It's happening in that facility. I'll include a picture of the facility. Unfortunately, I couldn't take pictures inside, but I got a picture outside. So after a shot, so each use of the laser is called a shot. After a shot, the scientists measure different outputs of the experiment and use this to support research on a number of different things, including fusion, but also to ensure the effectiveness of our nuclear stockpile. Um, so the U.S. stopped testing nuclear weapons in 1992. As a result, we haven't developed any new nuclear weapons designs, and we have been using the simulation data um, from the old tests. We, we conducted as a nation more than 1,000 nuclear weapons tests, and so all of that data is being used to ensure the safety, security, and reliability of the US nuclear deterrent. Um, the Department of Energy calls this um, program the Stockpile Stewardship Program. And what I didn't know is that this laser facility is critical to that effort um, because it can, uh, is the only facility that can create the conditions that are relevant to understanding the operation of modern nuclear weapons, which of course are based on nuclear fusion, thermal nuclear weapons. And so um, the experiments that they run there are um, supporting the ongoing effectiveness of our arsenal, uh, something I did not know. So you can take a virtual tour of the facility online. I'll include the YouTube video in my show notes if that interests you. This past week, I didn't get a chance to read tech headlines um, because like most people in our nation, I was more focused on news related to the Supreme Court nomination. And I have a few things to say quickly. Um, First and foremost, I stand with the survivors of sexual assault. Um, Second, I expect those who seek leadership positions in this country to be held to a higher standard. And unfortunately, in the past few years, I haven't seen that um, actually happen. I'm hoping for better. I'm hoping that what this controversy uh, does for our nation is it causes a lot of people who feel that calling to rise up, run for office, and remove the current power structures that are not serving our country. We cannot continue to function separated um, by ideologies in this country. Solutions to our problems are in the middle and we need both parties to work together. Third, I believe the impartiality of the Supreme Court must be protected to ensure the future of our democracy. This is not about Republicans versus Democrats. This is about the future of our country And judges are supposed to be fair, they're supposed to be impartial, and they're not supposed to be political, and definitely not um, political operatives. And there are many, many um, smart people in this country that are deserving of that position. Um, I did not feel the testimony of the current nominee reflected a temperament or impartiality suitable for the highest court in the land. All right, getting off my political soapbox to turn to Bionic Bug. Last week, Lara searched the violin shop owned by Fiddler and found some interesting clues, including directions to a company called Beautific Creations. Let's find out what happens next. Chapter 23, Beautific Creations. As Lara followed the curves of Highway 395 South on her motorcycle, the bitter air blew hard against her face. Oh, how I miss this! She relished in the splendid freedom of the open road, and the power between her legs. After spending the previous evening trying to get a warrant to search Britific Creations, Rob gave up and suggested they drive out there on his day off and have a friendly chat with the owner. Sanchez passed on the trip, claiming he was up to his eyeballs processing evidence from the violin shop. His team had scoured the premises for additional leads. But so far only turned up prints and DNA evidence that matched those found in Sully's safe room. The prints and DNA must belong to Ashton. The forensics team was still trying to make sense of all the boxes of tiny electronic parts found in the storage room. So far they haven't found much in the way of new information. The cold air refreshed her scratchy raw throat. Wearing her leather biker jacket, a wool sweater, thick cargo pants with generous pockets and a cashmere scarf to keep her neck warm She finally felt like herself again. A sudden gust of wind whisked up the falling leaves on the road in front of her. The leaves swirled around in circles and danced about, hovering a few feet above the pavement. The fall weather lifted her spirits. Lara exited the highway at King Street and drove west on Route 7 for several miles. Compared to D.C., she found the suburbs of Virginia idyllic with their windy roads, gentle hills, wooded neighborhoods, and stately homes. She passed a row of tall trees on her right. For a second, Lara was certain she spotted a swarm of golden beetles resting in a nearby tree. She looked up again, but all she could see were golden maple leaves fluttering in the breeze, reflecting the morning sunlight. The dazzling fall colors were playing tricks on her eyes. Great. I'm seeing things now. When she pulled into the parking lot of beautific creations, Rob's FBI cruiser was already there. In the far corner near the side door sat a shiny black BMW convertible exactly like the one from the parking lot in Fort Meade. Alarm bells went off in her head at the sight of the vehicle. Lara froze, her heart thumping against her chest. She kicked herself for not getting a closer view of the plates at the museum. Or in Foggy Bottom, she killed her engine and wiped her palms on her pants. Calm down, Lara. It's just circumstantial evidence. Lara gathered herself together and parked her bike next to the FBI cruiser in the visitor parking. Rob and Vic were chatting on the sidewalk. As she dismounted her bike, they waved and headed her way. Rob offered to swing by the office to pick up Vic. Normally, he would just hop on the back of Lara's bike, but his broken elbow made that impossible. She glanced around the street at a lonely, dull, silver Honda idling under a tree, white smoke billowing from its exhaust. A woman sat in the back of the car, wearing sunglasses and a headscarf. She appeared to be looking out the opposite window in order to avoid Lara's gaze. "'So we meet again,' Rob said, his eyes twinkling. Still distracted by the woman, Lara halfway turned toward him. "'Yep, good to see you, too.' She didn't know what to make of her ex-boyfriend's warmth. Maybe Rob was having second thoughts about his high-maintenance girlfriend, or maybe he was relieved things were normal between them again. Lately, she'd experienced moments where it seemed like they were still together, and each time she was lulled into a false sense of intimacy. She reminded herself he dumped her, with no warning, for a girl like Bimbo Barbie. Lara wouldn't be fooled into thinking he had feelings for her. Even if he did, it was too late for that. She couldn't forget what he'd done. Shall we? Rob led the way to the door of the building. Lara nodded. Did you see the BMW parked over there? It has a Maryland plate, convertible, 3B5, 7JH. She grinned and lifted her chin. Yes, I've already run the plate, Rob said. Lara deflated her grin, receding. Show off. Rob continued The car belongs to Linda Maxwell, the owner of Beautific Creations. With the exception of an arrest when she was a teen, she has a clean record. Another dead end. Perhaps, Lara said, her eyebrow raised. The coincidences related to the black BMW convertibles, were beginning to mount. They walked toward the entrance. A nondescript sign with the Beautific Creations logo hung on the left side of the front door. The plain brick building betrayed no evidence of the types of products contained within its walls. In fact, the posters in the windows showed young women smiling and looking their best. Lars scoffed now that she knew better One of the most dangerous toxins on earth is stored here. I wonder how many women would be smiling about that. Once inside the building, they found themselves in an unfurnished and empty lobby with a basic front desk. A heavy stainless steel door with an electronic pin pad stood in front of the desk. A few tacky pictures hung on the wall and surveillance cameras were mounted to the corners of the room ceiling. Elevator music played softly in the background. Laura Laura found the ambience of the place rather unsettling. This place looks cleaned out, she said, like it's going out of business or something. Rob gave her a puzzled look and nodded. Vic seemed oblivious to the peculiar scene. As of late, he'd spent most of his time staring intently into the Digispec glasses and speaking to the voice command system or typing fast into a companion virtual keyboard with one hand. Vic had assured her the glasses were clean. Still, she couldn't shake the feeling Fiddler might be tracking their every move. Maybe I shouldn't have approved of him keeping them. Too late now, I guess. An intercom box sat on the counter with a small sign next to it. Please press the button for assistance. Rob pressed the intercom button. May I help you? A female voice answered. Rob furrowed his brow. Yes, I'm Special Agent Robert Martin with the FBI. I'm here to talk to Linda Maxwell. Do you have, a point, have an appointment? The voice asked. Lara looked around the empty office, expecting a secretary or an assistant to come talk to them in person, but no one showed. It was just the voice on the intercom. I uh, know. I just have some questions for her. It will only take a few minutes. Silence followed for several minutes. Rob and Lara exchanged anxious glances. I'm sorry, but Linda is quite busy at the moment. The voice said, You'll have to come back another time when it's more convenient. Rob clenched his jaw. Would you prefer I get a search warrant? Silence. He's bluffing. They'd already tried and failed to get one. This was the last shot. We can do things the hard way if you want, Rob continued, but I promise it will be quick and easy if she talks to me now. They waited in silence for a few minutes before the voice returned. Linda is out in the warehouse. I'll buzz you in. When the door opens, walk all the way down the hall. The warehouse is the last door on your left. Vic motioned to Lara that he wanted to stay in the lobby and continue his work on the digi specs. When the door buzzed, Lara hurried to open it. Holding the door for Rob, she could sense his growing discomfort with the negligible level of security in the building. Under these circumstances, it was no wonder someone was able to access and steal the toxin. The long hallway painted plain white and unadorned led to four unmarked doors. What was hiding behind these doors? As if he read her mind, Rob tried each of them, but they were locked. They proceeded toward the end of the hallway, and Rob opened the last door, which to Lara's surprise gave access to a huge warehouse with many rows of empty shelves. At the far end of the warehouse, the garage door stood open, revealing a moving truck with its back door hanging ajar and a ramp leading up into the trailer. It was already nearly packed to the brim. Next to the ramp, a tall, curvy woman stood by a dolly, loaded with three boxes piled on top of each other. She waved to them, took off her gloves, and began walking toward them. I was right, going out of business. Near the front of the warehouse, two rows of shelves were still stacked with cardboard boxes. Lara moved closer to inspect them. They were labeled with item numbers and barcodes, but there was no indication of their contents. The shelf above each stack of boxes had matching item numbers and barcodes. Thief would need more information than what's printed on these boxes to know what he was stealing. The attractive woman dressed in gray jeans and a designer t-shirt approached them. Her face flushed red as sweat beaded her brow. The color of her cheeks matched her auburn hair. Hi, I'm Linda Maxwell, the owner of Beautific Creations. You must be Special Agent Martin. And you? Rob nodded. Nice to meet you. This is Laura Kingsley. She's helping me with my case. Linda wiped her forehead with her hand. "'Sorry I'm such a mess. "'As you can see, I'm in the middle of some heavy lifting at the moment. "'I'm shipping out most of my current inventory to customers. "'That happens every few months. "'Most of my products have expiration or sell-by dates.' Lara detected a slight edge behind the woman's smile. She was hiding something, and Lara would figure out what it was. First, her voice sounded almost identical to the one over the intercom. Almost.' It seemed suspicious that Linda would refer to herself in the third person, unless she were afraid of something. As she shook Linda's clammy hand, a sense of familiarity came over Lara. Where have I seen her before? Lara searched the recesses of her memory. She couldn't recall meeting her, but Lara was sh- certain she'd seen Linda somewhere. On the Beetle video feed, maybe? Linda peered at them expectantly. So what are you investigating? Rob frowned. I can't share the details of an ongoing investigation. We're working on a homicide case in which the cause of death was botulinum toxin. Linda's eyes grew wide. She took a step backward and shifted her stance. What? Is that why you're here? Botox is completely safe. Her voice had a defensive ring to it. Side effects are rare. Reversible. And last only a few weeks. Of course, the extent depends on the location of the injection. Lara stared at Linda closely. She had almost no wrinkles. The lack of expression on her face was strangely disconcerting. She must be using her own product. Suddenly, Lara made the connection. She saw Linda in the lobby at the Botox clinic. Didn't I see you at Heavenly Cosmetics the other day? Lara asked. Jerking her head, Linda gave her an incredulous stare. I don't remember. Lara pointed her finger at her. You were there. I remember you sitting in the waiting room when I came in. And your point being... Linda's eyes were cold when they met Lara's. Getting a Botox treatment is not only safe, it also happens to be perfectly legal. Ma'am, we're not suggesting Botox treatments are dangerous or illegal, at least not if administered properly, Rob responded calmly, subtly shaking his head at Lara. Oh, yes, we're doing this, Rob. Try to stop me. Lara didn't trust her. This woman is involved somehow. She could be Sully's killer. The homicide victim died from a lethal injection of the toxin. Not the kind you get at beauty clinic, Rob continued. Over the course of our investigation, we learned about a stolen shipment of the toxin from your company. We're wondering if you might be able to answer a few questions about the theft. But I already spoke to the feds at length about the incident. We were completely cleared of negligence. Linda became flustered and took out a pack of cigarettes from her pocket, tapped them on the side of the container until a cigarette popped out, and then dumped the light out the lighter inside. Do you mind? Linda's face paled and she looked a bit unsteady. Rob shook his head. Then she lit the cancer stick. Yes, I mind. Lara hated secondhand smoke and detested anyone who made her suffer through it. If some people wanted to choose a slow and painful death, that was their business. But Lara drew the line in the sand when it came to her own health. Rob continued. Ma'am, we understand you've been through a great deal of questioning, but now the stolen shipment appears to be tied to at least one murder, so we're looking for more information to clarify a few things. Lara glared at Rob, but he didn't notice. He also acted oblivious to the ongoing activity in the warehouse. This didn't look like a routine inventory shipment to her. She was pretty sure they'd walked in on Linda cleaning out her entire operation. In a hurry. After lighting the cigarette and taking her first puff, Linda sighed. Do you mind if we sit down? With her trembling hand, she pointed to the round table and the three chairs next to a kitchenette in the far corner of the warehouse. Rob nodded. Of course. Linda walked in a wide circle around the cloud of smoke Linda left in her wake and headed toward the chair furthest from the woman. Where are all your employees today? Do they have the day off or something? It's always just been me running the show, Linda said dismissively. Of course, all the automation we have these days helps with that. Would you like something to drink? "'Water? Soda? Coffee?' She reached into the refrigerator for a bottle of water, opened it, and took a few generous gulps. They shook their heads and sat down at the table. Linda crossed her legs, her dirty, rugged style boots, a stark contrast to her brand named gray jeans. Lara stared at them and pressed her lips together to keep her mouth from falling open. "'So who was the other woman on the intercom?' Lara asked, still staring down at Linda's feet. "'Her shoe size could be a women's 10.' Eyeballing it, they appeared to be the same print the police found in Lara's apartment. Oh, that. Linda took a drag on her cigarette and blew the smoke up toward the ceiling in Lara's direction. The large fan above spread the smoke around the warehouse, filling Lara's nose with the stench. I'm just overly cautious. Lara grunted. Yeah, right. Tell us what happened about the shipment, Rob asked, giving Lara a get-back-on-task glare. Claire? Beautific Creations distributes cosmetic products to support the full gamut of surgical and non-surgical procedures for high-end clients. We supply plastic surgeons and cosmetic cosmetic clinics with everything from mud facials to breast implants to Botox. As I told the feds several weeks ago, someone intercepted a shipment en route to our warehouse from the manufacturer. You mean it was stolen? Laura asked. Rob gave her a dirty look, but she didn't care to her linda's oversensitivity felt like an act and she wouldn't be winning an oscar anytime soon the security measures in the building were lax the women had the woman had to know her comp- their company could would be vulnerable to thieves something didn't add up yes stolen linda said rubbing her forehead was the truck stolen too or just the toxin shipment rob asked the toxin was stolen from the tr- truck while it was sitting at a rest stop linda said But the boxes are unmarked, Lara said. How would a thief know which boxes to take? The thief must have known the item numbers on the barcodes, Linda said flatly. She'd clearly repeated the story over and over. And how exactly did the thief get a hold of the item numbers? Lara asked. Rob kicked her from under the table, and Lara raised her eyebrows at him. What? The feds explained to me several weeks ago that my computer system was hacked. That's how they, the thief knew about the shipment schedule and the item numbers on the barcodes for the inventory on the truck. All the thief needed was the barcode scanner like the ones delivery drivers use and they could identify the contents of each box. She shook her head. But honestly, I don't know how they hacked us. Was there any video footage of the theft? Rob asked. No, the thief disabled the cameras in the back of the truck before taking the toxin. According to the feds, there was no evidence left behind, not a stitch. You keep saying thief. How do you know there was only one person involved? Lara asked, unable to hide her skepticism. Linda shrugged. A box crashed on the floor on the other side of the warehouse, startling them. Everyone jumped out of their seats. Who's there? Rob called out, drawing his gun. Is there anyone here besides you? Lara asked, narrowing her eyes. Linda shook her head, her eyes wide. Footsteps padded in quick succession between the aisles, and Lara drew her gun. "'FBI, come out and show your hands!' Rob shouted, running toward the noise and checking every aisle and corner before advancing. Lara followed closely behind, her gun drawn. Suddenly, a tall pile of boxes came tumbling toward them. Rob ducked out of the way. Lara jumped backward to avoid getting hit. Seconds later, a man with dark hair and thin-rimmed glasses dove out from behind the boxes, pulled open the door, and sprinted down the hallway. "'Rob chased after the man. "'From behind, Lara thought he looked rather familiar. "'She'd run after him before. "'It's the man from the Basilica.' "'The man grabbed the door handle to the lobby "'and tried to open it, but it wouldn't budge. "'He turned to face Rob and Lara with his hands up. "'His ragged, pale face and blue eyes "'sent a shiver down Lara's spine. "'Don't shoot! I give up! "'Please don't shoot!' "'His eyes bulged out of their sockets. "'A moment of recognition flashed "'through Lara's head from the bar,' and the picture would seen on the internet of Sully's assistant. Ashton Grant? The man nodded. From inside the warehouse, Lara heard a truck engine start up. She stared at Rob in a panic. Linda, she's getting away. You go after her. I'll stay here with Ashton and make sure he doesn't go anywhere. And remember to get the license plate of the truck. Lara raced down the hallway at top speed, bursting through the door into the warehouse. The moving truck backed away from the open garage door and did a tight U-turn, tires squealing. Lara sprinted as fast as she could, jumping up to ground, lo- jumping to ground level from the warehouse, struggling to breathe through her weakened lungs. Then the truck came to a screeching halt. Gasping for air, she stopped and bent over for a moment to catch her breath. The driver's side window rolled down slowly. Linda gazed out, her eyes ablaze. Her mouth slowly twisted into a grimace. Suddenly, Lara caught the glimpse of a gun barrel. Seconds before the loud crack-crack pierced the air, Lara dove behind the dumpster. The bullets ricocheted off the metal, inches from her head, then the truck peeled out of the parking area, sending the smell of smoke and rubber into the air. Lara peered around the dumpster, squinting to get a read on the license plate before it turned the corner. Crap. I only got four digits. Thanks for listening to the Bionic Bug Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review on iTunes. You can also support my time in producing the show with Patreon at www.patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N forward slash Natasha Bajma. See you next week.